resident lighting specialist to our Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, David Thomas joins us from Austin, Texas, where he is on the road attending the Rio Grande Rep Group's dealer event. David is a principal at Rio Grande as well as executive director of its sister company, the Momentum Group, both based in Denver, Colorado. As if that were not enough titles for one man, he is also partner at the Pure Tech Alliance, the national alliance of manufacturers' representatives dedicated to bringing the best-in-class health, wellness, and quality-of-life products to the Cedia and Avixa channels. Our guest today has been a manufacturer's representative since 1984, principal of Momentum Group since 1995, and principal of Rio Grande Rep since 2019. Momentum Group is a nationally recognized rep firm based in the Rocky Mountain market. The firm specializes in consumer electronics, representing multiple brands in both the residential and commercial channels. Rio Grande Reps specializes in the residential CI markets in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Both firms pride themselves on a very high-level dealer and manufacturer partnership, and they are led by one of my favorite people in the CI channel. David Thomas, thanks for joining us today to talk about your career and to share your industry insights. Hey, Jeremy. Good to see you. Yeah, we've known each other a long time. We have. It's, uh, it goes back many years. We crossed paths uh, a number of times over the years. I, uh, I, I was honored to be able to moderate a panel at the recent Lida Palooza conference with you. In, uh, uh, we were in Glendale, Arizona. And it was really reassuring to know you were going to be on the panel because I knew that you would bring a calm to my anxiety as panel moderator, knowing that I could turn to you and you would always have an insight that I hadn't thought of to, to, to kind of cover us on the topic. And we had a great panel, great um, group of people on there. So all of us kind of did our, our part. But then I got back from that trip and amazingly, a, a Facebook memory popped up where you and I were on the same team and I guess a social event at the uh, Cedia Exchange Conference in San Diego. Right. It was it was kind of a team building exercise where we did some Olympic events, events and uh, that was really cool just to see the years like just kind of come together there. That was really cool. I had forgotten all about that exchange event and the funny hats that we were all wearing and that was really fun. I think we actually go back all the way to Sam Runco's days in Cabo, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. that was... When I was still sort of at a little bit more green and I was getting to know everybody and, and you kind of combine um, bringing family and having uh, a little overlap between work and, and play, which Sam yeah. was really good at <laughs> merging those two. Yeah. Those are great memories as well. No kidding. Um, well, so today you are in uh, not your home office, you're on the road. You're in uh, Austin rather than Denver. I saw a, a post, and we're recording this uh, on March 28th. It will come out a bit after this. So everything is going to be different by the time this actually uh, posts. But you had snow on the ground in Denver. You were hoping for a little bit better weather in Austin. It sounds like maybe not all that you had hoped it would be. It was, um, I fly a lot, as you know, and 
it was interesting. You know, I was sitting looking out the window and we could talk 40 minutes just about the takeoff from Denver. Oh, yeah. um, but needless to say, I'll just leave it by saying I was really glad to get in the air and mm -hmm. feel it level out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Flying out of Denver can always be interesting and flying out of Denver yesterday morning in a blizzard. It wasn't even the snow, right? We do that all the time, but I don't know, 80 mile an hour winds that were coming sideways at the plane was interesting. But yeah, we're here we now. Just yeah, good, good, good. We got through a big wind um, incident. I think it was hitting the whole country. Obviously, the South got hit really bad, but um, we we were seeing stuff flying all over the place over the weekend. I, I have no idea how the Midwest has had the the wind then, and now <laughs> and you were getting it days later. There's just yeah. many different pockets of weird weather right now. But uh, it looks like by the time you get back, uh, it's going to be a beautiful like 65 degrees or something in Denver. So you got that to, to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Um, today, I really want to learn more about your life as a sales representative in the custom integration channel specifically, because it's a space I've covered and continue to cover with this podcast. And I know you've been in sales, um, looks like majority of your life, but um, can you just talk about how it is that you connected sales to tech? What was your first uh, interest in, in the tech space? Um, it goes a long way, obviously I've been, been doing this for a long, long time, but I, I guess to answer your question with some relevance, it goes back to college, which was a long and winding road, which is how I got into sales in the first place when there's not much else to do. But I was a uh, psychology with an emphasis in industrial psychology, which is the study of businesses and the people in those businesses. And my real interest, and most people that know me in this industry know that my interest is not on the specific technologies, but it's on the strategies of the business and and the relationships in the business and, and how all that flows together. So many years ago, I think I finally graduated in around 94, and I won't go back. No, no, 87, sorry. Won't go back that far. High school in 77, college in 87, that tells you all you need to know. Okay. Um, there you go. So, um, yeah, it goes back uh, to working with Boyd Distributing back when Sony had distributors, and that was a total by chance job that I had uh, gotten when I was just finishing my degree. Um, no intent of working for Sony or anybody else. And that just morphed into the opportunity to turn it into a business and seeing what the relationships were in the electronics field, because Cedia didn't exist back then, um, and working with the dealers was interesting to me. And so it's, it's always been for me more about communication versus sales, and definitely more about the sales and communication than technology. I mean, truth is that there have been a lot of people that I've been fortunate to work with in my companies that do the technology. Mm. I can do I can do enough to get by with technology, you know, and I understand how it works, but it's not really what's interesting to me. It's critically important, but it's not my my background. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. One of my first words of wisdom from my boss when I lived in New York and was working in uh, this space for the first time, and I had gone out, at, left college, gone to work for um, a more uh, manufacturing driven. Um, trade publication, business to business on the paper making industry uh, back in Atlanta. And I got the job in New York working on the commercial AV side of publishing um, topics. And I felt 
like I could handle the magazine part, but the communication with the integrators was something that was going to be new. And my boss very wisely said, whenever you feel like you don't know the technology, talk about the business because you can always kind of get into that conversation. And, and it was really good because how a company runs and all that, it, it sort of makes sense to have that. Com- you, you can kind of go in a linear way and you don't get caught up in all the, how's this product work and all the behind the scenes type of, you know, in the weeds things that obviously our, our industry loves to get into that stuff. But as, as they learn, talk to clients, they don't want to learn all that stuff. They just want to know how beautiful their house is going to be and how much you're going to simplify, make their lives better and all the good stuff there. Uh, Jeremy, I think it's it's one of the biggest shortcomings in our industry is the amount of technology that we put into a conversation with a client or a dealer. I mean, it's important, but it needs to come at the end. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the worst thing we can possibly do to, you know, a dealer or to a client, an integrator or to a client is to start talking about technology in their home. And I think the industry is getting really good at that. Now they're, they're advancing at a pretty high level of making design the conversation and tying technology into that design. So that conversation around design absolutely needs to come first and follow it with how the technology is going to be deployed to make that happen. And then you leave it there, right? I mean, the value is not in the, the widgets and how the widgets work. The value is in what the result is to the client. So you're hosting an event for a portion of your um, companies, and maybe we can talk about how you end up um, running two different rep firms. Uh, that seems like uh, a, a lot to handle, but you're expanding beyond uh Rocky Mountain. I, I kind of finally figured it out. You're, you're, you've got the Rocky Mountain area, and then you're expanding more into the Southwest and a different firm. Is that kind of the way the two different yeah. uh, companies work? Yeah. Um, try to make it a short story. Um, I owned Momentum Group uh, with Ron Perrin originally. He took the distribution company. I took the rep company at one point. Great mutual um, s- splitting of the companies. So. Uh, that's been going on for, I don't know, 27 years or something that I've had momentum group. And then when Woody Taylor at Dobbs Stanford decided that he was getting ready to wrap things up, I'll, I'll just say after a lot of conversation, we ended up taking over all the Dobbs Stanford, which was a perennially uh, perennial great rep firm for years and years and years in the Tola market, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas. And we had a really big back-end infrastructure at Momentum Group. It kind of goes to our whole philosophy about how to take care of the dealers. It's a different conversation, but we had big administration. We had operations. We had design. We had air quote engineering. We had marketing, and we had a lot of administration power there. So we, we felt like we could turn a business model into using that same shared services, regardless of where it lives, and oversee multiple pieces of geography. So we have very separate sales teams for many reasons in both markets, but the infrastructure, which is not, uh, you know, there's not a lot of intellectual property that those people see on the marketing, the admin, the design side. So we share those services among all the salespeople and all the dealers in all 10 states. And that works really well. So all we're ramping up as we build infrastructure is our back end support people. And that's a huge value to the dealer. And it's a huge value to us because 
the, um, the sales people in the field are finding opportunities and then moving on to the next opportunity where the back end people can handle all the support and the infrastructure, the RMAs, the paperwork and things like that. So we, we sell more stuff by doing that. Very good. Okay. So your event that you're attending now is for that, um, total market and you, you're bringing together the dealers that you connect with, um, on a daily basis. Are you just updating on current opportunities, technology trends, things like that? What's the, the conference all about that you're working on? Now? Yeah. Um, we participate in, in most, I mean, we're always at Cedia. We do the tech summits. Um, last year we did the Tola Expo, which was another great event. And, and we may end up doing that again in the future. What, what we really felt that was a value to the manufacturers and the dealers is um, not disparaging tech summits at all, but if we could do something beyond a six foot table with static product on it and have uh, more meaningful discussions with working product with the dealers and the manufacturers in a smaller venue, we thought there was a big value there. We did this last year in Houston and it was uh, put together very quickly, but it was a huge success and the dealers really liked what I'll call the rifle shot approach. So a meaningful conversation with manufacturers in a single location versus multiple people moving up and down aisles, you know, trying to grab them and bring them into your booth and talk about a static product. Um, so that was successful in, in Houston last year. And this year we're doing it starting here in Austin. Um, and then we'll do another event in Dallas and then a, a, a third event in fourth quarter in Houston. We'll see how they go. Um, I think that they're not completely vetted yet, but the the response last year and the RSVP list for this year in Austin is indicates that it should be ex- extremely well received. I hope so. And and, and I guess uh, the thing that I don't ever quite understand is how many products a, a rep firm is comfortable representing in a you know, in the industry in general, I won't talk about categories, but what is uh, the the number up to there for that event in terms of number of manufacturers that will be participating? We we represent just north of 20 um, lines in the Tola market. Uh, there are, not because we don't enjoy our manufacturer partnerships, but whether there was enough value to bring a manufacturer to have these conversations with the dealer, there are 13 dealers participating in this event. Um, you know, and with what's happening in fixtures, not to jump ahead, but what's happening in fixtures, the line card will continue to grow and there will be a overlap, um, for sure on different lighting brands. But the answer to your question, right? I mean, we represent, uh, every brand we think we need to offer a dealer to complete a job successfully. Um, and almost, that means almost all of those brands are very compatible with one another and they don't conflict with one another. But today, right, I mean, manufacturers are involved in so many categories of product that there's always conflict. I mean, brands are overlapping each other all the time. Then it comes down to sales fixes everything, right? If you're capable of handling those brands and you've got enough infrastructure and enough salespeople, then it generally works out fairly well. But we don't intentionally go pick up competing brands, nor would the manufacturer allow it. Now you inherited, I'm sure, some relationships on manufacturers, uh, uh, I guess, manufacturers that maybe were not in your uh, momentum group lineup when you acquired the 
the firm down in uh, the Tola market. Is that true that do you have some that are in one uh, market and not the other? Or are you, yeah. have, you, have you kind of made them all the same now? No, uh, I don't think we'll ever make them all the same. And there are some competing brands, right? So our Rio Grande rep company has, for example, where the Yamaha reps in the Tola market, great brand, historical significance. And we represent other receiver brands, uh, Sony, Denon, and Marantz in the mountain territory. And one of the, the benefits that we offer a manufacturer, which takes some explaining, is our, our back-end software and CRM, they're completely separated, right? So there's no way salespeople in the, in the Oklahoma market, for example, can go in and look at a Denon price sheet, as an example. We keep all that separated, but the people on the back end are capable of handling marketing and design and things like that. So it's a little bit tricky, and there's a significant investment in the infrastructure, but the, the end value to, to the dealers and to the manufacturers, it, it's a high value proposition and it works pretty well. You know, that could be expanded at some point if, you know, everybody chose to do that. Uh, after the break, we will continue our conversation with David Thomas. Today's episode of Residential Tech Talks is brought to you by NICE, the global manufacturer of smart home security and building automation solutions. NICE is bringing together 30 years of innovation with award-winning products from Milan, Speakercraft, and Panamax to create a holistic ecosystem for builders, integrators, and consumers. Learn more about how you can create one home with one solution at go.niceforyou.com backslash RTT. Welcome back. We're talking with David Thomas, Principal uh, Rio Grande and Executive Director of Momentum Group based in Denver, Colorado. David, you were talking about how you uh, pulled together your line card of uh, manufacturer products, and it sounded almost like how a integrator will have the selection of products to fulfill a you know consumer client's needs there in a home. So you're looking at a complete solution, all the products you would need to go into a project, um, and try not to have that that. Uh, overlap too much be a problem, but um, do you have, you said lighting would be one that you're going to have a lot more uh, options for as you go forward. Uh, do you also look at control brands? Do you have to focus on just one control brand because they're just so competitive or do you have multiples there, for instance? That's a really good question. So on the control side, it depends on where you live, right? So if you're just handling the CDA market, which is you call it whatever anybody wants to say, the top 1% of the 1% or the very top 1% of high net worth people, that's one control brand, right? If you're even in control. And as you know, um, you know, Crestron's direct, great brand. Um, control 4 is a snap product. So nobody represents Control 4. Savant still thankfully uses reps. But if you're in that just in the CD of business, then there you can't sell competing control brands if you even sell. But, but I'm a big believer in moving back up that bell curve into more homes at smaller prices um, for the volume, right? And, and then now you're talking about all kinds of different control brands. So, I mean, NICE is making a, a beautiful play into the market. Then you've got builder control systems like Claire. Um, and then you've even got things that are like Google, you know, so voice control systems and Josh AI on the high end of, of control. So I feel like control is 
is morphing into something that more of the consumers, um, not necessarily mass market, but more homeowners are going to be able to enjoy over time. And it's not just going to be about, you know, $50,000, $100,000 Crestron, Savant, Control 4 type systems anymore. The, the, the world is going to have control available to them through voice and through less expensive options. Yeah, control is evolving for sure. Now, what about audio and video in terms of competitive product there? It, it seems like architectural, you're going to definitely have a, uh, a core option there. And uh, what about a higher end, um, not necessarily two channel, maybe you do two, two channel as well, but um, more for a listening room type of scenario. Do you do you go that direction as well? Or are you staying more with the integrated home approach to audio? A good question. You know, there's there's really good reps throughout the United States that do a better job at two channel and high end audio product. Um, you know, and I'll just throw a bone out. I mean, Bob Scowcroft in the Rocky Mountain Territory is one of the best two channel high end audio reps in the United States. We refer those brands to Bob because he's way better at that than us. And even though we have a lot of brands, we don't we have to be able to focus on where the business is going to give our companies a return on the investment. And that's in the integrated home, whether that's the top 1% of the 1% or as we're doing now, um, you know, we're moving a little bit into, uh, again, I'll call it the mass market. We're moving backwards up the bell curve into more homes. And are you, there was a time when I was worried about the, the independent rep, um, role in general in CI and there were certain big personalities in our industry who I won't mention who kind of were giving an impression that we just don't need reps and they get in the way or something and I'm putting words into their mouth but is there um has it become more of a uh leveled off scenario in your perspective you've been doing this a long time you've seen the ups and downs you've seen IPRO be uh, a, a real important entity or past president of, of the organization for the reps, IPRO. Um, is it to a point where we've got a, a strong position now for the independent rep in the industry? Are we still feeling like some manufacturers don't see the value? I know you said, obviously, some of the control companies have their own way of doing things, and that's always been the case. But yeah. Um, where, where do we stand now with things? Maybe you can give a little taste of the uh, the evolution that you've gone through as a rep. You, you know, the, the first reaction to anybody saying that what you do for a living isn't valuable is to get defensive and you fight. And the yeah. reps were fighting that pretty hard. But I think a lot of really good reps in the United States today would, would look back and, and then finally say, but maybe they were right. Right. What was the value of the rep? We were really good at going out at the end of the month, getting orders from all of our dealers and at one point even faxing them into the manufacturer, you know, or going out and trying to collect business. And that was our value proposition. And the manufacturers were right that they introduced, you know, digital technology came along. People got portals. If we didn't change our model, then they really probably didn't need us in a lot of different situations. That's the fact. And that's really where you and I have chatted before, Jeremy, is there's a lot of really good reps that have changed their value proposition to the dealer and to the manufacturer. It's not just about collecting orders. It's about helping on the business side. It's about trying to understand how to let them see around corners 
and find out what's coming next. It's about, you know, figuring out what the new technologies are. It's about working with their people. It's about, it's not just about going in and saying, hey, I'm going to train you on technology and then I'd like you to give me an order. Every single rep in every market represents great brands, right? Our value proposition today is to compete against these other great reps by fighting to provide a value proposition that separates us in the, in the minds of the manufacturer and in the minds of the dealer. And you win some and you lose some. The, the, the end goal is to win a few more than you lose. And you do that by increasing your support and services, whether that's, you know, that education showroom called 924 in Denver, whether it's the design services that we provide, you know, whether it's uh, a business conversation about, hey, you know, in an ethical way without talking about competitive dealers, let's talk about your financials. You know, how much money are you making per employee? Where is that money going? What are your labor rates? Uh, on and on and on. The, the answer to your question is, if a rep today can provide a value proposition in the eye of the dealer and the manufacturer, that's not just about getting orders, there's a win there. Look at all the manufacturers that have come back to the reps. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sony was direct forever. Samsung is now very heavily involved with reps across the United States. Big, big brands uh, use manufacturers reps, but they're not looking for a rep just to go out and collect an order at the end of the month. Let's talk about that 924 um, facility that you have there in Denver. That's uh, I remember when you opened that and it, it's a beautiful uh, looking space. I haven't been there in person, unfortunately, but it, from the photos that you've sent me, um, very, very modern contemporary space. And you, I remember you, you put it in a, in a, like a, a reclaimed kind of a environment, correct? And in, uh-huh. in an area that uh, kind of has a cool vibe. What, what, how important was it for you to have that location and what is it serve? Uh, what purpose does it serve in terms of in-person dealer meetings and other sorts of uh, events? We, we love to talk about 924. Um, seems like everybody's building today is called just the address, right? So we call ours <laughs> 924. Um, but I, I really appreciate you asking that because it's a big difference maker in our world. Uh, uh, going back to when you said, so what's the value of the rep? We really believed that the value of the rep was in question and what we were thinking for a long time. We, we had an old downtown, lower downtown Denver training facility, which was great. But we, we were starting to think at the end of that lease, what could we do to really change the game? And, and long story short, what if we had a beautiful place that wasn't just a showroom, you know, and uh, drywall and TVs on the wall? What if we had a place where dealers could bring their clients, architects, builders, interior designers, and when an architect or a designer or a builder who are not huge fans of AV people, that's a whole nother story, right? I mean, yeah. we need to turn the integration world into something that gets a seat at the table at the beginning of a home build um, or a building build on the commercial side. But anyway, if, if we had a space where an architect or a designer could walk in that front door and go, oh, this is awesome. All of a sudden, I could have a conversation with them or the dealer could about anything we wanted because it was more about design than about the technology. And if you can put technology in a position to be really important in the design of a home instead of ruining the design of a home, you can talk to an architect or a builder or an interior designer all day long and they will hug you and say, thank you. 
So that's the whole point of 924. It's open 24 seven, 365, no charge to any dealer for any event um, at any time, right? So there are always, there's some parameters, right? We don't want competing dealers don't want to be in there with competitors at the same time. So there's a full calendar, but they, they come in and they use, it's about 6,000 square feet. They come in and they use that space on a regular basis with or without our help, with or without catering, with or without marketing, with or without designers that we provide to them. Look, at the end of the day, that's just that value add that if I can compete against other great reps in the Rockies uh, or coming soon in the Tola market, okay. we're a better choice, all things being equal, which way is a manufacturer going to go when they choose a, a rep? And we think that gives us a bit of an advantage. Yeah, and as you talk to dealers about uh, keeping an eye on trends and developments in the industry as well as their business, what is... Um, driving that right now? Is it lighting primarily? And when you look at the uh, horizon and what's happening and what is going to happen, I know we want to talk about the Pure Tech Alliance because the health and wellness thing is a an area where uh, I, I see a, uh, some potential as well. It's the exciting thing to talk about in addition to lighting for a writer, but the reality of what's available and how it is integrated into a smart home is a whole other thing and developing. So are those the two things kind of leading the future focus? 100%, you know, fixtures today on top of AV integration. And there's no question, not because of the PureTech Alliance, but healthy home products that need to be integrated are coming next. Fixtures is really exciting because, you know, in, in a short answer, you can absolutely 100% honestly tell an integrator that they can double their revenue without adding one more job by correctly implementing the fixtures into a job. And that's not about selling the product. That's about figuring out where fixtures belong, how to do the design correctly, and to engage the design, lighting design community properly. Uh, it's a whole nother, you know, video cast podcast on how integrators need to get involved in the fixture world correctly work with electricians, work with lighting designers, and to provide a great solution to the, the end user. Um, but my, like I said at the beginning, what really excites me is fixtures are here, right? That, that hockey stick is about to ramp right now. It's happening. You saw Lightapalooza. It's happening. That's not going to stop. Um, that business is going to be multiple billions of dollars coming into the CDA channel at high margins to the dealer. Um, and a great result to the end user. And that's happening because fixtures are smart, right? I mean, LED changed everything. Now a fixture smart, which means now you can control that fixture in ways that you couldn't before, which means you need to integrate it into technology. And all the great business electricians that are out there, they don't do that. Hmm. So the lighting manufacturers, as they started to raise their price points and incorporate technology into the fixtures, had to find a way to get those sold into people's homes. CDA channel, they weren't even looking at us. We were the only way to do that. So that's super exciting. Now the integrator has learned in many cases and is continuing to learn, how do I work with the electrician, right? I'm not stealing their business. We're making the pie bigger and the electrician, those who choose to work with us, um, they're gonna come out ahead. We come out ahead. The customer comes out ahead. The manufacturer comes out ahead. Once they've learned to work with the electricians, I mean, people who know, it's called the MEPs, that's the mechanical 
the electrical and the plumbers. That's coming. Kohler's a member of Cedia now, as many people know. Why do we need to sell toilets through the Cedia channel? Because they're smart. They have to be integrated into an app and somebody needs to tell the consumer who buys those products, whether it's a shower head or a steam shower or a, a, a toilet bidet or something that connects to the system in a home. The, the only industry that can sell those and integrate them is Cedia. That's huge. It's so exciting to look forward and say, okay, now we've got fixtures. What's coming next? It's clean air. It's clean water. It's humidification. It's all the IoT devices that connect that together and integrate it into the home. And that's where these dealers, the ones that are thinking forward and doing what's right for their business, that's what they're going to be involved in in a year or two years at a very high level. That's the stuff that excites me a lot. At what point did you feel confident on the lighting fixtures category? We have dealers in different markets who have been selling lighting fixtures for eight to 10 years, which amazes me. I know one in particular, even in the Midwest where I am, and they've been just so well established in that category for a very specific reason. But um, it feels like a recent um, phenomenon, but it's people like, um, you know, that there's a bit of momentum from the HTSA group, um, obviously early on with Tom Doherty, who already had experience there. How early on were you involved as a rep in that category? Um, by accident, when uh, WAC Aspire, you know, didn't have any other reps. And the, 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 the true answer is Christian Rodil, who used to work at Legrand, was my Vantage Regional. He went to work for Ketra. Um, at one point. And before Ketra was purchased by Lutron, Christian Rodil came and said, you got to get in fixtures. And I was like, no, why would we do that? We're way too busy. There's already plenty of reps. They're 800 pound gorillas. It doesn't make any sense at all. But over time and, you know, truth be told in in a very non-disparaging way, when Lutron made some of the decisions that they made on making sure that the Ketra product was, you know, made sure they, it stayed in the Lutron ecosystem, no pun intended. Um, It opened up other fixtures to come into this space and they needed to find quality representation. So again, going back to where I care about is mostly on the business opportunity and the strategy and looking forward. We did a lot of due diligence with lighting manufacturers and control companies on what the fixture business could be or should be in the CDA space. And short answer is there's $10 billion of business that could flow into the CDA space at retail, right? And, and actually the CDA space is the only one that looks at retail on lighting, but that's how we do it. So that's a huge number. You know, it, it equals the total AV integration network control shades, lighting business that we do today. Um, so when I found that number, that's when I got involved. And I said, okay, what kind of infrastructure do we need? How much investment does this take? How long are we willing to wait until this thing ramps? And, you know, it's happening pretty quickly, but we've been, we've been heavily invested without a lot of return for three years. Mm. And that's starting to change now. And I, I wouldn't change anything there. That was the right thing to do. And so do you make adjustments to the, that facility there in Denver with the lighting yeah. fixtures? Yeah. And that'll continue to morph. So 
that that was the 924 momentum showroom for a long time it's not called a showroom anymore because un, under we're under no pretense that we are a lighting showroom we're not we can't we're not decorative right i mean lighting in the cedia channel is is architectural landscape and linear 90% 99% of it um, so it's an education center now we okay. bring the dealers and their clients and or builders in to understand what the difference is between a Home Depot $15 dimmable lamp or bulb in that case to, you know, standard dim to warm dim to tunable to full color RGBW. And that's what we use that space for today. And yeah, it was of the 6,000 feet, I think 2,000 feet was completely redone to incorporate fixture education. That'll probably change, right? I mean, healthy home stuff's coming into that showroom like now. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Now, what about energy management? I know that's a kind of a curveball, but it, it seems like out West, especially it, where you are and, and particularly in Texas, that there are issues with uh, consistency of, of power and you're, you're seeing the need for perhaps solar and the storage that comes with that. Are you exploring that as well? Uh, the, the, the energy management and storage thing is one that I feel like a lot of integrators aren't quite there yet on, but it, it needs to happen at some point, especially in certain markets. And I think that also requires more manufacturers of those type products to engage with our community until they're ready to talk to us. It's really hard to go talk to Tesla. Hey, We'll, we'll sell your solar stuff for the roof or your roof shingles that are solar, right? I mean, they don't want to talk to us until they're ready. So there are, I think that's more of a pure tech play, but pure tech is moving very strategically with specific categories first. We don't want to be a jack of all trades. We want to be really good at what we do with clean air and clean water and humidification, for example, to start. But the energy and power backup and all those products will flow behind that. But we've got to we've got to be good at certain things first. There are reps in the United States. One that's a, a great competitor and a really good friend of mine, CET in the Rockies, is way far ahead of most of the United States on energy product, and we refer dealers to them. You know so. To me, competition isn't about, well, I'm going to take a slice of the small pie. Um, some manufacturers, reps, and I very much agree that we want to make the pie bigger. And then everybody gets a bigger piece of that pie. And if we're collaborating with one another to get the messaging correct in this channel, we win. Truth is, CD is an 18, maybe $20 billion industry. As you know, Jeremy, that's not a very big industry. So, and it's an important one because everything is now being integrated in the home. Every single thing, like we said, plumbing products and everything are smart now. How do we make the pie bigger and do it better? So I think forward thinking manufacturers and, and reps understand that and, and we're working hard to collaborate with one another and the buying groups. Well, David, I, I think that's a, a really positive place to stop. And I, I really appreciate your time today. I've learned so much more about the current reality of a, a rep firm and what your value proposition is. And I hope that everyone understands that and sees it. Um, I hope your your event there in uh, Austin goes very well. And 
that you're able to fly home uh, to a non-snowy Denver when you get get done. Yeah, really appreciate it, Jeremy. There's so much fun stuff to talk about. It's been a been a great half hour, forty five minutes with you. David Thomas is principal at Rio Grande Rep Firm, executive director of the Momentum Group Rep Firm, both based in Denver, Colorado, as well as a partner at the Pure Tech Alliance. If you have any questions about just about anything in the smart home technology industry, connect with David on LinkedIn. He's a great resource and a really good guy. That wraps up today's show, which was produced by Residential Tech Today, IPW, and Pretty Easy Podcasts. You can go to prettyeasypodcast.com if you're looking to get professional production help on your own podcast at an affordable rate. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast wherever you watch or listen to podcasts. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.